Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to Face to Face. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is a show about change and about what's next. It's a show that wants to ask questions, peel back the layers of our average everyday experience, and go beyond scratching the surface. We interview amazing people with incredible ideas and stories who have done wild, weird, and wonderful things. Remember that imagination shared create collaboration, and collaboration creates community, and community inspires social change. I'm David Peck, and this is Face to Face. Well, welcome to Face to Face on this uh, beautiful, uh, well, digitally sunny day for all of our listeners, because it's probably a few few weeks from now, but uh, we're uh, joined uh, by Shay Nvidiata. She's here today. Thanks for joining us, Shay. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's, uh, we've got a pretty serious topic uh, to chat about today, and uh, right now the both of us are smiling. I'm not sure how long that's going to take before that changes, but we are here in Oakville. Uh, Shay is the founder and president no, executive director sure, yeah. Yeah, of <laughs> FreeThem, yeah. that's freethem.ca, uh, uh, check them out, they're a pretty important uh, social justice uh, organization working 
around the world, really. And, I, and Shay's going to tell you a little bit more about that. She's also kind of a, a, a real estate guru by the sounds of it. So I'd, I'd like to hear a little bit more about that as well and how the heck working in, in the, um, uh, the nonprofit world and the real estate world, how they may or may not connect. So again, thanks for joining us today. So, Shay, so tell us a little bit about Freedom. I mean, I, I know who you guys are and what you're up to. Um, I'm going to dig a little bit maybe into your background too, but what, what exactly is Freedom doing? I mean, I sort of have an idea when I see the name or hear sure. the name, but t- tell us a little bit more. <clears throat> well, I'm happy to hear that when you see the name or you hear the name that you have an idea of what we're doing. And really the purpose of creating Freedom was simply because when I looked in Canada and uh, looking for different organizations that are fighting human trafficking, one of the biggest things that I, I saw as a gap in Canada was that there was no real organizations that were branded to just make human trafficking aware, that were just talking about advocacy, education. And you look at organizations like World Vision, and somewhere 10 levels deep, the, they now, on only more recently within the past five years, they have a policy on human trafficking. But still today, when you think of World Vision, you see orange, you think sponsoring a child. You don't think fighting human trafficking. And that was exactly the intentions with Free Them. When I was looking back before 2010, my journey in this started in 2003. And when I finally arrived to the point in around 09 saying, I really want to create a brand that when you see it, when you hear it, you know that we're talking about fighting human trafficking. You know we're talking about fighting slavery and exploitation in Canada. And ultimately, our goal is to be around the world. You know, so much there. I love it. Um, are slavery and exploitation the same thing? I would say yes. Yeah? Yes. So, so um, do you mean in a... In a I mean, when I think of slaves, and I think when most people think of slaves, obviously, mm-hmm. because of my work and so on, I've dug a little bit below the surface in the last 10 or 15 years. But I would think most people think, you know, chains, you're in a brick factory somewhere in India, you're rolling cigarettes as a kid in, in Bangladesh, you're, you're working on a rice farm in Cambodia, etc. Uh, that, that's not the case, though, is it? We're talking about, we're talking about a really kind of multi-layered... Um, I mean, there's more slaves today, supposedly, mm-hmm. than there were 100 years ago yeah, during Wilberforce's correct. time. That's correct. There are more, yeah, there are more slaves today in history than ever before. 29.8 million. <clears throat> Sorry, 29.8 million that are enslaved today. Um, Global Index just reported that in January of 2014. And so when you look at, um, when you look at what, what it really actually means to be a slave... I think, and most people, and maybe even some of your listeners today, would say, well, slavery is illegal, so what do you mean you're fighting slavery? It's abolished. Well, slavery was made illegal, but it has never been abolished. Um, it's, it's still alive, and how we see slavery today is very different than what, we were, what we've seen in films or we've read in the history textbooks or some of our ancestors, our grandparents and great-grandparents still have the stories being passed down to our generations today. So, and we've used different words like human trafficking, like exploitation, which now in a legal context has conflict because we have laws around slavery and how we have defined slavery being that one person is a master over another human being or has the right to purchase and own a person has been outlawed. So globally we say, well, yes, that, that doesn't exist. But today 
there is this underground movement, this 29.8 million people that are enslaved today, where we would say that their rights are being exploited, their dignity is exploited, their bodies, um, whether it's being for forced labor or sexual exploitation, which in Canada is our two most prevalent forms of trafficking, and saying that really now looking at what human what human trafficking is and when you break down the essence of both we are we arrive back to wow you really are a slave people don't want to believe though that do they no of course not it's ugly that's horrible right i mean what do you mean there's more people enslaved today than there were you know 100 years ago or 150 years it just doesn't make any sense right aren't we educated don't we live in a globalized world and so on and that this is happening in canada never mind nepal india thailand exactly why? I mean, this is a tough topic to talk about. There's no question, uh, and I'm sure you've chatted about it in a variety of different settings over the years in your travels and so on. From, you know, probably uh, birthday parties and Christmas gatherings mm-hmm. and so on, right down, you know, conferences, etc. What is there a common denominator here with respect to why folks shut down, uh, or might shut down, or maybe that's not been your, your experience? Maybe people are very open to hearing about it once, once, uh, once the conversation starts. Folks, meaning people you yeah, meet. you know, uh, people you meet at a, a, a dinner gathering, or hey, hey, Shay, what do you do? Well, I'm into real estate, but I, what, what really excites me is this, and you start telling them about freedom, and before you know it, they're kind of looking for somebody else to talk to. Right. Right. Well, I think that um, a part of it, one of the one of the biggest points is that it is. It is really, really not just ugly. In my opinion, human trafficking is evil at its best. And really, nobody wants to sit around a dinner table, around a Christmas tree, <laughs> to talk about evil. It's really not right? funny, but it is it's, kind of it, funny. But it's true. Like yeah, nobody, yeah. nobody says, "Oh, hey, you know what? I'm in the mood to talk about tonight, like the world's evilest issues." Yeah. You know, yeah. like you don't. And most people still, never mind human trafficking, they don't want to just sit around a table and talk about genocide and the and the yeah. horrors around that. And this is really actually taking taking this, I'm not going to say to a next level than something as horrible as genocide, but it's underground. And so in some ways it's, it's even more scary because this is going on and yet the world isn't talking about it. Yeah. Right. So I think it's, it's for people, it's having to ignorance is bliss. And when you don't know what you don't know, you can live in this utopia and everything is is wonderful. And Wilberforce said it himself. He said, you can, you can look the other way, but you can never say that you didn't know. Right. Once you have knowledge, knowledge is powerful, and it's up to you as a citizen to decide what you're going to do with it, which then actually leads to the next point, is that if you find out that maybe your coffee is made by slaves. Right. Maybe the sugar that you put in your coffee is made by slaves. Maybe the rice that you're eating is imported from the Punjab in India, made by slaves. Maybe the clothing that we're wearing, made by slaves. Maybe the chocolate made by Mars or Hershey has slaves in it. It now is causing the consumer to come to reality of, will I make a consumer decision to what to buy and what I won't buy? So then pushing it further comes corporate responsibility. And now you start asking corporations like Hershey, who make multi-billion dollars in chocolate, to remove slavery out of their production line. 
Well, essentially, you're asking them to give up billions of dollars in revenue a year so that you and I basically can sleep better at night. In my opinion, that's justifiable. It should make them want to sleep better at night. But until the world is really woken up by this, for a lot of these a lot of these people, these um, owners of major corps, this is it's it's business. And they don't have to deal with the factories. They don't have to see the families on a day-to-day basis. They're not the one torturing these people who they have. There are people who are doing that line of work. So they just get to look the other way and receive the benefits of it. So there's a conversation that that needs to be had. And you start hitting, especially when you look at a place like Oakville, where, where it's a very affluent community. There's many CEOs, many mm-hmm. COOs, um, top executives, whether they're, uh, you know, of hotels or different um, service industries, companies. And it begins to beg the question of where, where are you getting your products and goods from? And would you be willing to have this conversation? And for uh, in Canada, like I said, a lot of it is forced labor and sexual exploitation. So the other side, really, even if it's not on a, forced labor conversation that people want to have it's well where are you where are you buying sex from and who who is the bigger question who are you buying sex from right right. because the average age of entry in canada into forced prostitution is 13 to 14 years old and so if the reality is is that that's an average girl that you would be purchasing for sex there's a lot of men that are purchasing somebody else's daughter and quite literally could be their own daughter at that age and that's just wringing out dirty laundry so it's it's uncomfortable um pornography gets spoken about how does pornography affect prostitution how is is pornography a part of this sexual exploitation is it a part of the human trafficking fuel my answer is yes it's a much larger conversation seems to be a big conversation i just read an article in the globe i think it was on saturday the globe and mail yeah about a, a woman, and I, I, I got a, uh, my wife to read it as well, but about a woman who's not a pornographer now, but she was, she's not a pornographer, but she starred in a lot of pornographic films. Mm-hmm. And she talks about how, you know, this empowering, you know, the empowerment edge, yeah. right? The feminist yeah. edge and so on. And she actually said, though, I think to her credit, she talked about a level of maturity and, and a woman being able to make a choice. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's what the conversation really is about. I mean, I think, you know, my responsibility to others is about, you know, freedom, choice, responsibility. I can look the other way, I suppose. Uh, But the hope is that we're not going to. Um, I I mean, I I think with my own children, you know, a daughter six, a son eight, uh, you know, raising Mm -hmm. them to believe that they can make their own choices and make wise ones uh, based on the knowledge is what it's all about. And yet, you know, just the other day I see... Um, a woman respond to her daughter who wanted to give some money to a, a, a booth. Mm-hmm. Was that a, 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 a charity at, yeah. a, at a soccer um, event that my okay. son was at? Yeah. And the line was something to the effect of, all I hear is, no, uh, they're looking for money and you, and besides, you don't get anything back from that. Wow. I was stunned. And there was a little pause mm-hmm. and I was reading uh, the, uh, the newspaper waiting for my son. And, I don't know if she was embarrassed because I probably heard or well and besides mommy doesn't have any money with her right now anyway right so 
P.S. I don't right. have any money, but there's nothing in it for you. Right. And I wonder, you know, freedom, choice, responsibility, let's teach, let's knowledge, mm-hmm. isn't it? wonderful advocacy. And still at the end of the day, it seems, folks, seem, seem, I don't want to sound too cynical because I'm really, truly not, but yeah. they seem to turn the other way, yeah. turn the other cheek, turn a blind eye because I can't see the cigarette factory in Nepal or sure. in Bangladesh or whatever the heck it is or or the sweatshop around the corner from my house. Yeah. I mean, I heard recently, I read an article and you can tell me more, I'm sure, just in Halton, mm-hmm. along this here, this is like some Spears sort Road. of sex corridor. Yeah. I was blown away. Yeah. Like, I mean, yes, I would have said, yes, it exists, but I wouldn't have said it's like a corridor. Yeah. Pure Gold is a strip club on Royal Windsor that has um, had cases. And uh, along Spears Road, not too far from where we are, um, there's been massage parlors that have been fronted and busted as illegal brothels that have been shut down numerous times. So, yes, Halton um, in this little affluent community has an issue of human trafficking. So what, tell me, tell me what your sense is about this whole corporate social, I mean, there's a connection here. So we're talking about Mars and about, you know, chocolate companies and so on. They seem to be changing, you know, they talk, you know, uh, donating to UNICEF, you know, fair trade chocolate sometimes, depending on the bar, I suppose. Um, Peanut free. Right, yeah. (laughs) You know, things are getting better, it seems. Um, do you think they are, or is it too slow? Would you, you know, is it really all about, you know, the consumer power of uh, purchasing a more fair, tradable product? I mean, there's there's a lot going on, uh, it seems to me, in what you've said. But I wonder, I guess, a are things changing, and and how do we push it along? I guess a little farther, a little more quickly. Mm-hmm. So. <clears throat> I mean, one of the, um, I'm going to say, yes, things are changing. Um, there are great groups, and to the credit of, um, I'm going to credit Stop the Traffic in the UK, uh, a great organization, um, and their their traffic is just um, T-R-A-F-F-I-K, Stop the Traffic. And they have done, and you go on their website and you'll see they've got all these different petitions, legislation, motions that they've put forward um, in the UK to encourage and ask and also get responses from these chocolate companies. Um, Like you said, there is change happening. Um, Is it too slow? I'm going to say yes, but that's only because I want it yesterday. Mm -hmm. The reality is is that these multi-billion dollar corporations cannot change companies overnight. Um, and so companies like Mars, like Cadbury, uh, like Hershey, they have implemented and they're saying by 2020, they will have X percentage of their company to be fair trade, slave free. Right, right. Um, and so it's a step in the right direction. And I think it's um, a very, even though it's, it's difficult and they've received a lot of uh, flack for it, they're also pioneers in being leaders mm-hmm. um, in this change mm-hmm. and a very difficult one at that. Um, and so it, there, it is happening and I'd like to see it. It's going to start continuing in other countries. Like I shared with you, um, before we jumped on the interview today that I just got back from India and one of the guys that I'm speaking to his left, what he was doing in India and his sole focus is going to be pushing on governments from the UN for a, uh, legislation that says that imports and exports from countries need to have X amount of slave free in order for you as a country to receive goods. Meaning what? 
for example, like I shared, the Punjab in India, all of the rice fields there, very rich state, but the rice fields there are all using slaves. Born into bonded labor, families, generations enslaved in ancestral debt for small loans, taking a loan of $20, mm-hmm. and now they have these interests that mm-hmm. are to you and me, it's it's not even a massive amount, but because you don't know what one plus one is and that one plus one equals two to you and me, to them one plus one equals a thousand and they don't know. Breakfast at Sunset Grill is is a lifetime of bondage for for, for others. Absolutely. And so when you look at a state like the Punjab where the the rice and what we consume, what what his goal is saying speaking to India's government to say, if you want to export rice, you're going to have to show that you have X amount percentage slave-free from your rice produce leaving the country. And guess what? Canada is now going to be implementing laws where you have to have 90 to 100% slave-free. And if you can't show that, then your goods don't come into our country. And so really that's the pressure that needs to be happening from governments worldwide but it also comes from needing, we need civilians, we need citizens, we need the people listening to this today yeah. to say, I'm in, yeah. I'm going to stand up, you have so my So let's vote. plug the site, free, freethem.ca, check check out uh, the site, freethem, F-R-E-E-T-H-E-M.ca for yeah. more information. But uh, are you not also in the middle of a fairly large petition that you're working on right now? We are. Yeah. So yes. tell, tell me a little, let's get a little practical and then let's come back to, sure. I want to hear more about your story and why the hell you do what you do. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Everybody always wants to know that, actually. Yeah, That's yeah. usually the first question. Yeah. Um, so right now, I, Canada is at a, at a crossroad, if you will. Um, I would say that most Canadians don't really understand what the current prostitution laws are in Canada. And the simplest way um, to explain it is that prostitution itself So to have paid consensual sex between two people is not illegal in Canada, but all of the acts around it are illegal. And people say, well, that's pretty stupid. And still some people don't understand it. So I'll explain it the way that my father explains it. He says, it's like it is legal for you to own a gun, but if you shoot it or use it, it's illegal. So everything around it. So it's like, well, what's the purpose of even having this gun if you can't use it? Right. right. Well, right. what is the purpose? Right. So where we're at now is that we had uh, in December of 2013, the charter rights were challenged and um, around the laws that prohibit prostitution. So a solicitation, body houses and pimps and traffickers. And so those uh, the Supreme Court ruled that it was unconstitutional and gave Parliament one year to rewrite the legislation or do nothing. And so currently in front of us, uh, just last week, our Justice Minister, Peter McKay, um, had tabled what is called Bill C-36. And this act will, for the first time ever in Canadian history, address the demand of prostitution, which fuels human trafficking. Human trafficking is basic economics, demand and supply. So if there is the demand, then the supply will be there. If you decrease the demand, you're going to decrease the dis- sorry the supply. So for the first time ever in Canada, we now have legislation that cracks down on the demand, 
that fuels exploitation and human trafficking in Canada, which is the purchasers, which we call the Johns, and also the pimps and the traffickers. It also <clears throat> allows for, for the first time ever, for women and young children, keeping in mind the average age of entry is 13, 14 in Canada, to no longer be criminalized, but allow to have exit strategies and support in place. The federal government has committed to $20 million in that funding. The next natural question, is that, is that enough? Mm -hmm. No, it's not enough, but it's a pretty darn good start. It's a $20 million start that we didn't yeah, have before. Sure, sure. And the federal government, <coughs> sorry, excuse me, the conservative government is committed to the longevity of this bill. So they also recognize that this is just a start, this $20 yeah, million. Yeah. Let's get the bill passed, and then we'll continue the conversation. So now we have, we have exit strategies in place. One of the biggest confusion points around this bill is there is a clause. There's a clause in there that says that we still want to protect children and vulnerable. Therefore, the selling of sex solicitation cannot be seen in a place where children may be reasonably found. Right. Playgrounds. Playgrounds, schools, faith communities, <coughs> wherever a child could reasonably be found. And the biggest, you know, kind of confusion around this is, well, where is a child reasonably found? Police are going to be able to exercise discretion. The conversation then comes up, well, what if it's a 17-year-old? Again, the police are there for the first time ever for these women and children who are not there by choice to have them out. So if they're, if they're being forced, hypothetically, if they're being forced to prostitute themselves by a park in daylight, or evening time, where a child could reasonably found, the most hypothetical situation is, is that they are going to be arrested, removed and detained, and upon taking their statement, all charges are going to be dropped because the police officer will use discretion to find out that this girl is a minor and is not there by choice. So for the first time really ever in Canadian history, we have a piece of legislation that actually cracks down on human trafficking in Canada and allows for exit strategies for those who are enslaved or those who just want out. Women right. who might have a pimp or might not have a pimp, but they say, I, I want out, but I don't know where I would go. I don't know where I would turn to. Well, now we have funding that's going to help support you in that journey out. And so this is what we are we are trying to push. Um, the second reading will take place um, this this Thursday, which I believe makes up the 19th, or no, sorry, the 12th <clears throat> of June. And and then the third reading will be in September. So you're asking people to sign this petition to say, yes, Bill C-36, <clears throat> let's push this through. This is a good place to start. Yeah, sign yeah. Bill, uh, Bill C-36. <clears throat> Further, if you can uh, go to our website, freedom.ca, um, we, uh, this afternoon we're actually going to be putting up a template mm, okay. that you can sign to send to your MPs. The MPs are the most important right now because they are really the ones that are voting. Right. And right. so the petitions is needed and we'll gladly take those. And that's also on our website under our resources. If you go under learn action, you'll find a ton of tools that you can download where collect signatures, send it to parliament is free as well for you to mail anything that goes to the house of right. commons to right. parliament right. is free postage. Uh, so send that in. But the biggest is 
emailing your MP, picking up the phone and calling them, by law, they have to respond to you. Right. And this is this is the biggest thing that we need right now is our members of parliament to be on board with this, this bill. Sounds, sounds, sounds kind of historical in a way. It is. And uh, pre- yep. precedent setting. Um, so why, uh, why is this such a concern for you? I mean, you could have looked at extreme poverty or HIV AIDS, or you could have got involved in, in any number of issues. You could have got in at-risk communities here in Canada or indigenous communities in Canada. There's so many issues. As a, as a teacher at Humber in international development, it's just one issue after mm-hmm. another. Sure. However, it does seem they're all connected in, in one way or another. So why, why slavery? What was it? Was it a book? Was it a film? Was it something that happened to you personally? I mean, ridiculous question, I know, because these things happen over time. And, you know, it's not one event usually that does this. But uh, but I'm just kind of interested more in your personal history. I actually wouldn't say it's a ridiculous question. I, you'd be surprised as to how many people, um, when I meet, I ask the same question. Mm-hmm. And many people will say it was a documentary film that they watched mm. and that was it. Or it was a story they heard and it triggered their heart, right? They've got a 14-year-old son or whatever. So I'm just saying that for your viewers. I don't think it was a ridiculous question. I think it was a fair question. Um, For me, though, um, it wasn't as sudden as reading uh, reading a book or hearing um, a story. For me, it was coming over a period of time and realizing what I was being confronted with. I I started my journey in this in 2003, and I was living in Honolulu, in Waikiki. Hmm. Um, I've been to Waikiki. It's amazing, isn't it? It is. Yes, I've been a few times actually. <laughs> so then you'll you then you will know you'll know exactly where I lived. Um, for those who have also been to Waikiki that are listening, there's you'll remember there's three main roads in Waikiki. And the middle one there is known as Kuhio Avenue. And if you stay there long enough, you learn that to be known as Candy Lane. And that's where my dorm was. Um, I started my degree at Hawaii Pacific University. And so the Ohana Surfrider East was our dorm. And half of it operated as a hotel and the other half operated as the dorm for the students. And literally 20 feet in front of my doorstep was the track which is just simply mm. where the girls would walk mm-hmm. and offer sex. We had a strip club down the street from us as well, which you, I didn't you really... Were, you were right in the middle of I it. I was right in the middle of it. And <laughs> I, I never knew that there was actually a strip club there, probably until a month after I moved there. And I don't think my parents ever knew that there was one there either. I'm not so sure that they would have left their favorite and only daughter there. <laughs> uh, I always say that. I'm like, my, I'm my father's favorite daughter. Um you know, given, given the circumstances. And, um, so I would see these, these girls, I would go to night classes and I would see them, I'd come home and I'd see them. I'd go out to the bars with my friends or dinners, going out to restaurants, come home and see them. If you have the um, pleasure of living in Hawaii before you go to school as well, sometimes you wake up early in the morning and go for a surf. That's what we do. And I would sometimes wake up at 5 a.m. to go for a surf, and I would still see these girls there. Mm. And after a period of time walking back and forth, you you really start to realize they're either going to be your neighbor that you just don't talk to ever, but you see them every day, or you can engage them like they're a normal human being Mm -hmm. and that they're actually your neighbor. 
And so that's kind of where my, you know, my journey really started in this. And what I had started to realize was our noticing, which at that time kind of intrigued my curiosity. I started to see, I was 18 and I started to see these girls that were younger than me, some of them way younger, you know, it looked like they were like 13 years old, 14 years old, putting on mom's makeup, you know, high heels that didn't fit, um, bodies not fully developed yet, and really looking like they're playing dress up and on the streets. And some of the women were a bit older than me, but majority, the vast majority, mm. were in that like 16 to 18 sweet spot kind of. Right. And at that time, I just wanted to really understand why. Why would a girl choose to be in this? Whether you agreed with prostitution was right or wrong, whatever, however you were brought up, um, I I wanted to leave all all bias, all you know, kind of dispositions at the door, mm-hmm. and I just wanted to be present. I just really, as I said, I thought that these girls they they are my neighbors, so I want to get to know them, and if I'm gonna want to get to know them, I need to do that without any judgment in any fashion. And I think it's much easier for women to judge these girls than men. Hmm. Um, Interesting. And so I I started to learn their stories. And that's a much longer conversation. I'm sure we could do a whole interview just on that. But I started to engage these girls. And what I learned over a two and a half year period is that their, their stories started telling me that these girls are not actually prostitutes, but that they're prostituted. And that the word prostitute that we use is widely misrepresented and misused. And that the more accurate term to be using is prostituted. And it was in that two-year period that then eventually I learned the word human trafficking. Hmm. Like for me, it wasn't like, oh, prostitute, prostituted, human trafficking in in one day. It was kind of revealed to you over time as as things were unpacked. Yeah. And I mean, I was was 18 at the time, you know, and I was... You know, I was going to school, doing my thing. And so this was a, it was a process of finding out their stories, finding out about the fake boyfriends or their boyfriend who is such an ass that promised them a life in Hawaii. And, you know, now they're here and they owe money to him before they can leave and finding out about their sons that their pimps take to school. Well, good luck getting off the island with no money, a son, yeah. and your pimp is taking your I, kid to I school. Saw, I saw the film recently um, with Kevin Klein, and for the love of me, uh, the life of me, I can't remember the name of it, but it's about human trafficking. Okay. It came out about a year or two ago. Fortunately, not a great movie, but okay. <laughs> if you know, you would want to watch it probably. Yeah. Uh, but I remember one scene in particular. You know, a couple of women coming from an Eastern European country. They land. I think it's the States, maybe it's somewhere in Europe. And immediately this lovely woman takes their passports away. Mm -mm, mm -hmm. So immediately they're put, their whole sort of lives are put into question because this is, and and of course their hackles are up and what's that all about? I thought we were coming here to work for ABC and it turns out to be something completely different. You you watch that kind of stuff and you go, really? Is Mm -hmm. that really happening? Please tell me that's an exaggeration, you know? And clearly, you know, what, what little I'm hearing about actual slavery is it's really not, at all far from the truth. No. 20, 29 million people. Yeah. I mean, I guess a drop in the bucket really from a quantitative perspective because, uh, you know, 7 billion of us, but still, that's an awful lot of people. It's way too many. It's the current population of Canada is 34 it's million ridiculous. people. It's insane in this supposedly educated, civilized, yeah. globalized world that yeah. we live in. 
So, but, okay, so I, I'm really interested to know more about how you approach them and sure. know, getting to know their stories because I think that's fascinating and I, I think it's wonderful that it sounds like to me you, you connected intimately, you became friends with some of these mm-hmm. women and things changed for you too and I would imagine for them. But how come it happened to you and not to some of your friends? How come you stopped? How come you noticed yeah. it in a way that they didn't? They noticed it too, and I'm sure you guys chatted about it, you know, uh, on some evenings or maybe, you know, on the walk down to the, the beach to go surfing. I've surfed Holy. on that beach, by oh, the way. Oh, yeah, that's good. So, so I was useless, horrible. <laughs> I skateboarded all my life. But I remember rubbing all the chin. He's, he, for those of you who can't see, and that's all of you, um, I'm rubbing the bottom of my chin right now. Yeah. And I rubbed it all on the grip oh, tape on the board. Yeah. Because, you know, you're swimming <laughs> yeah. out. Uh, but I got to tell you, one of the best experiences of my that life. so great. And I was riding one of those boards that are probably ones. about the size of a small submarine. Yeah. You know, those huge Yeah, 11 ugly. foot, 12 yeah, foot was boards. Yeah, the foam pieces. Yeah. It was one of the best experiences of my life yeah. and I probably caught what three or four waves wow maybe? good yeah. for you I did it well my skateboarding paid say off, hang right? loose bra that's right <laughs> so how long were you there for three and a half years wow that's awesome yeah I spent mm-hmm. all of maybe three weeks in in Hawaii but uh, so yeah why you why did you stop why did it why did you notice it in a way that your friends didn't um well I think you know for me it's uh life is is really about people and I think that um, depending on, on what, what your goal in life is and what your value in life is, um, you know, if, for if, if money isn't the be-all, end-all, and people are really what drives your purpose in life, you, you just see people differently. And for me, I was always brought up that way, that, um, that everything that we should do, that we should always give back. And you can always make more money, but time you you is a gift. And whenever you can invest your time in another person to make their day better, that's something money can never buy. And that's where you leave your legacy because you never know how you can change somebody else's life. You know, by a simple smile or opening a door or recognizing somebody on a street corner, whether it's the homeless the little, person on the Bay little Street, things, right? Right. The little it's the things. small things. Yeah. And you hear all the time too about people who called into suicide hotline crisis centers and they said, you know, I was going to kill myself today, but somebody on the subway said hi to mm-hmm, me. Mm-hmm. And it's just those small little things. Yep. And so for me growing up, that's, that's how I was brought up. And where, whether we were going down to Jamaica, we would always take clothes or toys or whatever it was. Um, and so why for me was just no different. You know, I saw people, I saw girls that, first saying, well, I'm going to just, I'm going to acknowledge them as people, right? as neighbors. And then once I started to get to know them and wanting to understand why they were there and hearing their stories, again, you get to a point where there's like, wow, you know, if you didn't want to know, you shouldn't have asked. Well, you know, there's something there, I think, you know, you could argue with the lifestyle. You could, you didn't, you chose not to cast judgment. Most of us, I guess, do in some way, shape or form, but you can't argue with somebody's story. No. Right? No, and I say their that. story yeah. is their history. This yeah. is what happened to them. Right. Now let's deal with it. Right. How, how are we going to respond? Right? Yeah. We're back to freedom, choice, and responsibility. Totally. It seems like I, I mean, I'm an existentialist, so I'm always talking about freedom and choice. But, but uh, yeah, and I think it's, that's probably one of the reasons why, because you took that first risk to actually say hello mm-hmm. and to, to get to know them on a, on a deeper level and to recognize them as uh, human beings. I, you know, I'm still. 
I'm not sure why exactly I do the work that I do. You mm-hmm. know, we're we're in the same field, but but we've sort of chosen different portions of it, I suppose. Sure. Um, and and there's so many issues. There's no lack of opportunity in this world yeah. of, of helping others. It seems and and and. Um, so, but I haven't gotten to the bottom of it yet, and I wonder sometimes, is it really just about money? So, you know, I told that story about the young girl, and mom says, oh, there's nothing in it for you, basically, so why would you want to give? Mm-hmm. That's essentially mm-hmm. the message she sent to her six-year-old mm-hmm. daughter. I wonder if that is really why more folks aren't involved, why it's going to be hard to get a million signatures on Bill, your, your petition, and so on, right? Because, well, what's in it for me? I think, and... Bear with me for a second, yeah, yeah. and I will answer that. I think that, like for me, what I started to realize was that through their stories and learning that these girls are are really victims and are not there by choice. And for me, it was a personal thing. I remember sitting on Waikiki Beach one day, watching the sunset, and if you look back behind you while you're on the beach you can actually see some of the girls starting to come Mm. out and starting to walk. And I remember sitting there thinking that if it was me, if I was that 14-year-old, if I was that 16-year-old or that 18-year-old that I was, I would be praying that somebody would be looking at me as a victim and not judging me as a slut or as a whatever, Mm -hmm. but that would actually see me as a victim and would come for my rescue. And I would be praying that somebody would be a voice, not for the voiceless, because I believe that they have a voice, but being, being a voice for the silenced and standing up for, for the, the girls and the young children that are enslaved in this industry. And for me back then, I vowed to myself, I just said, I don't know what, mm-hmm. I don't know how, but I will do whatever I can. I'm going to do something. I'm going to do something. get involved. And I had no idea that that would amount to everything that Freedom has accomplished today. Which is so amazing, right? Because I think that, well, I think, and part of the reason why I'm doing this podcast, the whole notion of face-to-face is that, you know, we get to know others by talking to them, by understanding their stories and so on. I think it's awesome that this has blossomed out of you trying to get a better appreciation for somebody else. Mm. Right? Because typically we're all, it's all about our backyard. Right. Give me the hell totally. out of your backyard. I don't totally. even want to see inside of it. Totally. I'm going to build my fence higher. Yeah. Right? I'm going to use yeah. brick this time, not yeah. pressure-treated wood. Right. Right? Um, and so I just think that's, that's, that's amazing that it was a, a narrative personal uh, contact that made all the difference for you. Obviously, there were other things, your parents' upbringing and you know, their care and oh, living yeah. in Oakville well, yeah. and privilege and all these things that play into it as they do in my life as well. But but uh, that that the the actual physical contact with somebody else kind of kind of made the difference. Uh, and I think that that's going back to the mom at the soccer yeah, field. Yeah, yeah. Like I think, like if I had seen that, given what we're discussing, like human trafficking, not I don't know the cause, you know that that stand was there for, and it's irrelevant. It is irrelevant, really. but it was yeah. this. Yeah, it was a charitable cause right? of one kind or another. And. and if the tables were turned and that was your daughter, if that was your daughter missing somewhere, you'd be praying that somebody would be giving mm-hmm. 10 bucks mm-hmm. to help find her. Yes. If your child didn't have access to clean water, 
you'd be praying that somebody would be giving 10 yeah. bucks yeah. to build yeah. a well in Kenya for you. And, and, and who cares if we don't get anything in return? If you live in Canada, if you got to turn on the tap this morning and have clean water, you're rich. If you got to use a toothbrush this morning, you're rich. If you got to take transit, never mind taking a car or really like a, a POS car. If you got to use the subway this morning, according to world standards, you are rich. So why should we be giving to at all receive anything in return? We're already blessed. And I believe that we're only blessed to be a blessing. And with that comes great responsibility. And it's funny that that's your whole your whole mandate, because that's, I use, that's a saying I, I use all the time and words I live by, you know, that we are really only blessed to be a blessing. And with that comes great responsibility. So, and I think that that was, which a, is also Spider-Man's mandate, just so you know, is it? at the risk of sounding incredibly nerdy, which um, most people know that I probably am a little, but yeah, with power comes great responsibility, you but know? it's and true with knowledge in this case comes great responsibility. So Absolutely. we're kind of back full circle to now, you know, uh, now what are you going to do? Right. Right. Um, and um, we got to wrap it up in a couple of minutes, believe it or not. Um, let's talk a little bit about um, about about action. So you guys do a freedom walk. Uh, you've been doing that for a couple of years. That happens always in September. Uh, it does. Yes. Okay. And what is that about? Is that just a fundraising event? Because when we first started out, you, you talk a lot about knowledge and education mm-hmm. and advocacy. Mm-hmm. Right. Clearly, this is yes, folks, this is about money and raising support, et cetera, to help others. But there's more to it than that, right? And that's, I'm getting a sense from Freedom Walk, something else is going on as well. Yeah, so we do, um, uh, this September 27th will be our fifth annual Freedom Walk presented by the Fairmont Royal York. There are presenting sponsors actually for the third year in a row. Pretty nice sponsor. Pretty amazing sponsor. Yes, yes, they are. (laughs) If you come in the morning, you'll be able to have some. Excellent. Yeah, it is part of the morning. I think I'll be there. (laughs) Um, We're also excited to announce that this year we're doing our first inaugural freedom walk in ottawa this year on the same date so if you're in ottawa um so toronto ottawa toronto ottawa nice. and it is um it's a morning where i promise if you come out you will leave never you will not be the same right you will be changed one way or the other and we are about raising awareness i believe that you can't fight something you're not aware exists so it's why we do what we do and we also recognize that the average person um, is not going to, not going to, and nor should they actually just start your own organization. You know, powers in coming together and Absolutely. unifying. Yeah. And that's really what the Freedom Walk is about. It's a morning where um, I have a vision one day that we won't need to have um, an honorary ceremony in the morning before we walk. We simply, um, we do a ceremony in the morning where you will hear from law enforcement and Canada's leading politicians. We've had the Minister of Immigration the past two years come out to give opening remarks. Um, You'll hear from survivors of sex trafficking. We have a marketplace um, in the back in the morning during registration where you can go and meet and buy from uh, fair trade slave free vendors, whether it's chocolate, jewelry, um, clothing, so that you can see different companies that are making conscious decisions to be slave free. In their merchandise and um we we do this morning because still so many people don't know what human trafficking is mm-hmm. why it happens and where it happens and it would be great to be like breast cancer walk one day where we have right. a breast cancer weekend where 
we show up in a park and we have a little pep talk rally and hoorah and then we can go walk because we all know what cancer is and we all understand it's what it does to the body. It's just kind of a given. Right. It's a given. Yeah. And and that's really our goal is to get Canadians that educated that we can show up saying we know human trafficking is happening in Canada. We will not tolerate our women and children being bought and sold. And so we're here to walk and we understand what this means in our I nation. Think, I think it's a kind of a nice way to wrap up too, talking about what others can do. But there is a disease-like element to this. Oh, you totally. know, it's not genetic, yeah. but clearly there's something radically wrong. If we can live in a world where people can sell children, women, others, and men as well, I would imagine it's probably more women and children. That's but, correct, but, 80%. Yeah, 80%, wow. Yeah. Um, listen, I uh, I can't believe it. Uh, the time has flown by, but uh, for those of you who want to learn more, uh, you now know, uh, so you have no excuse. Freedom.ca, uh, that's F-R-E-E-T-H-E-M.ca. And um, check out the Freedom Walk, September 27th, uh, 2014, happening in Toronto and in Ottawa. You know, there, once again, Shay, thank you so much. Um, Huge reminder to me that there's so much more going on than meets the eye, but uh, thanks for joining us today. Thank you.